Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson! Welcome to Faith FM. I think you just all split our eardrums and distorted the system really badly. Ah, it didn't sound too bad in my headphones. I'm just so stoked to be here. You are? I'm just so happy. And, Why is that? And awake and alive. Because, like, I don't know. I just love being on radio. Cool. I love spending time with our listeners. I love talking about the Bible. And also, I love what I'm incredibly grateful today, which for today, which is hummus. Let me guess. The, the, the largest pot of hummus that is commercially available, right? Yeah, yeah. This is a... Uh, a commercial supply of hummus that um, Lawson has brought into the office. This is something that you would buy for a very large restaurant chain, I would think. <laughs> and yes, it's like about the size of a keg. I'm thinking. It's, oh, not maybe, quite. Maybe that's a slight exaggeration. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, slight it's e- a kilo worth of hummus, okay. and I'm just like, you know, I'm thankful that the Middle East exists and that they invented hummus and that gabunzo beans exist. Yeah. Well, chickpeas, right? Is that the same oh, thing? Oh, same thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm just grateful for hummus and that it sustains my entire existence. And, um, yeah, I can come on radio and speak to you guys because of hummus. Where would Lawson be without uh, legumes? <laughs> That's, what are you grateful for this morning, Lyle? I'm grateful that um, nobody in my area lost their house yesterday. Mm, yeah. It's pretty nasty fires just down the road. And we were watching them. We could see them burning just, you know, from where we were. We could, we could see the flames from, from our place or from just across wow. the uh, road from our place. And it was quite dramatic. You'd see the big water bombers coming through. I think there was like a 737 came through. Um, wow. One of those big float planes, uh, big single engine float planes. I'm not sure what those things are, but they are just a spectacular piece of equipment. Um, several helicopters and of course all of the ground crews. Uh, right there in Greta, there was there was um, you know fire that was burning right up against people's homes, and apparently no homes were lost there. Man, praise the Lord! That's yeah, that was awesome. Big effort put in. Um, fire completely out of control. Several times we saw huge plumes of black smoke going up, mm. which indicates that you know something man-made has caught fire as opposed to um, you know just just uh, vegetation burning. And so our prayers were with the people there. Um. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty full on day yesterday. That is awesome. Well, like it's full on, but it's awesome that yeah, no one lost. Yeah, anything. in 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 that particular area, there was. Mm. I'm sure there was some property lost, but not homes. Mm. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in at the beginning with God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. me. Mm-hmm. 
That was the promise with the word was God here on Faith FM. Something to wake you all up on a Wednesday morning. Let's uh, get into the quiz. Okay, let's do that. All right, I have a something something a bit different. And then today. let's talk about the weather because we got a little distracted yeah, in that last we, segment. We, we didn't we didn't make the uh, didn't make the cut. That's Shit. all right. We were talking about what we were thankful for. Awesome. Okay, this is a what creature am I quiz? So this is a creature. Okay. God said this animal would devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Oh, that's an easy one. No, it's not. Yes, it you don't is. know what it is. Of course I do. Oh, yeah, he knew what it was. <laughs> 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 so, so that means that no double prizes are up for today. Uh, beat you to it. But if you know which creature that is, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and you will get a prize completely for free. There you go. Aren't you stoked? Or give us a text on 0491064669. This is a reminder, you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. It seems those uh, catastrophic environment that we had yesterday is, is moving north and Queensland yeah. is uh, in the firing line now, so we need to pray for our neighbours up there in Queensland. Um, yeah. Mm. Serious stuff happening around our world. Which actually brings me to something, my, my, my first uh, story that I wanted to talk about, something super cool and, and touching. Um, basically, like, you know, we're in the midst of, gnarly bushfires at the moment it's the talking point it's the it's the talk of the talk of the nation and um i just saw this uh story last night about um this uh, there's a place it's called kubari and it has a uh, like a wildlife park there and they had to evacuate all the animals because of the bushfire the whole thing ended up burning down and um they had to evacuate like 150 animals. And the only thing they had to do that was one of those Toyota, looks like a, like a 20 seat bus. Yeah, coaster bus. Yeah, the coaster bus. They had a little Toyota coaster bus and 150 animals. And so they turned the thing into a proverbial Noah's Ark, took out all the seats, chucked all the animals in there and got them all to safety and evacuated them. I kind of wonder how they all got on with each other. Because there's a lot of different species yeah. who are sort of just cage to cage um, inside the back of a coaster bus. I'm just sort of wondering what kind of animal conversations were taking place in the back of that bus. You know, what were they saying? What were they communicating? Were they scared? Were they afraid? Were they freaked out of their minds? Did they want to eat the animal beside them? Were they like, ooh, that looks yummy? <laughs> I mean, what was actually happening in the back of that bus? There was actually like... A tons of different animals in there. It was everything's you know from koalas to monkeys. 
they were just like, this bus was stacked. I and wonder whether koalas look at monkeys and, I mean, some monkeys look at koalas and like, yeah, mo- koalas are just um, drug-owed monkeys. <laughs> yeah, they're like the fat loser monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the unbeneficial monkeys. Man, that's hilarious. But yeah, they just like, you know, um, the, 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 the guy who runs the, um, the wildlife park, Noah Smedley, uh, interestingly enough. No, sorry, Kieran Smedley. He, um, yeah, said the, the scenes during the evacuation, he said they were reminiscent of the biblical story, but of course, instead of water, it was fire. They could see this fire coming. They're like, man, we need to, we need to get out of here. Um, and so they did just that. They loaded all the, uh, the animals onto the bus. Um, it start, this began at 9.30 p.m., so well into, you know, this was a, a night operation. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it took them from, from, from 9.30 to 2.80, um, with the help of a lot of volunteers to gather up all the animals to get them all into the coaster bus um to eventually you know to get them to get them down the road and some of those animals probably didn't want to be gathered up and exactly, yeah. thrown into a cage like, like I can imagine why do i want to be a cage why do i want to be in the back of a bus you're like trying to catch some kind of peacock or something monkey it's like running off on you yeah like obviously it would be a super hard task but yeah all of the um all of the animals got evacuated in in fact they were in conditions where it started you know they had embers glowing around them like the fire was just closing in big time and uh and they got out of there so really really awesome stuff we're seeing in the midst of the fires um you know people doing great things in a really really hectic difficult time um something else that i saw this morning that was a really, really heartwarming story coming out of the UK um, that essentially there was a little baby. Um, his name was Michael um, Labashane, I think it's pronounced. It's that's it's a super interesting name. L- Michael Labashane um, was, uh, yeah, really hectic story where this this baby boy had went into cardiac arrest in his home in in England, which. Um, you know, for a, for a child to go into cardiac arrest, you know, for a baby to go into mm. cardiac arrest, there is a there's a seven percent survival rate from that usually, yep. which is just hectic. Um, but this baby survived, and you know, it was incredible. You know, the the paramedics came, they got back to the hospital, and went into a five day coma. Uh, when this baby, when Michael woke up from the coma um, after doing some scans on his on his abdomen, they found that he uh, had a tumor inside of one of the chambers of his heart. Ooh. Like really, really heavy situation. It's called cardiac fibroma, um, attached to the septum within heart the left cancer. chamber of the heart. Yeah, essentially heart cancer. Which is, you know, incredibly, like I could imagine for, the, you know, the young parents, you know, incredibly difficult time. Um, but yeah, Michael um, and Emma, sorry, um, Emma, the mums, <laughs> uh, managed to rally together and they, they um, yeah, put up on to social media, you know, pleading for help. Like, hey, you know, we're in this situation. And they were met with an overwhelming response, not only from people. They they raised, they've already raised around $200,000 already for this child's treatment. But the uh, the Boston Ch- Children's Hospital in America, they're from the UK, and the Boston Children's Hospital um, reached out to them, you know, because they're actually, you know, the specialist in, in this area um, of treatment in the world. Uh, reached out to them and they've they've been able to to transport 
Michael over there and do an amazing work to, you know, he's going into surgery over the next couple of days and um, they're really, they're really positive about it. They've, they've, you know, got everything that they could possibly need um, and everything's been tra- uh, covered, you know, travel accommodation. And so, yeah, just a really heartwarming story of people, you know, as we've seen in Australia here, people out of the kindness of their heart gathering, you know, rallying around a particular situation that's happening. We're seeing people doing the same just for one individual, which is a powerful thing. You know, it's a powerful thing. And I think it's a it's a God-inspired thing. Mm, it's something mm. where we can see clearly, like, even though we're living in a time where morality is really... You know, it's it's struggling. Uh, the wickedness of man is becoming more and more. We can still see people doing good things in hard situations, which yeah. is, you know, praise the Lord. Um, oh, final thing I want to talk about that I found was really interesting. So there's a sh- the Chicago Library, one of the biggest public libraries in the world. Um, they removed overdue library book fees. Right. So that means they're giving library books away? No, no. So basically... If you return something late, then you won't get have to pay a fee for it, like usual, you know. Um, and they found that book returns over the last six months have surged 240%. Because people are not actually trying to be dishonest and steal books. Exactly. They are just forgetful. Exactly. Yeah, I kind of get that, you know. That kind of makes sense. It fully makes sense. And since then, not only has there been a huge surge in returns, but also a huge surge in attendance. Like, this is one of the biggest public libraries in the world, and people are just flocking to it to borrow books, and they're getting all returned because there's that not that big daunting pressure of, you know, I forgot. I have to get it done in such and such a time, and I have to get it back because I'm going to get a penalty, and, you know, you're always under pressure, 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 pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. That's cool. It's so it's just it's just kill. I think every every library should employ this. I know it inspired me to go into the library. Man, I am just in the. I have never needed to go to the library in my life. I go to the library lots. Well, I, sometimes I go through spurts. I should say. Yeah, we go to the library. Don't go to the yeah. man, for me. Just never like like. And I'm not even someone who doesn't read. Like I read, but it's just. What do I need to go to the library for? But yeah, this is inspiring. I'm like, hey, there's a library right across from my work at Raymond Terrace Mission Church. I'm like, hey, I might hit up the library later. Go and borrow some books. Absolutely. There's always good books, good reads to be had. Mm, 100%. Right now, this is Josh Gorells with For You. We're continuing on with our show, this is Faith FM. I'm down to tell you But you can't bear to hear me now In a little while I must move on But I'll send my love to you And you can't call my name
Welcome back, guys. That was uh, Josh Garrels with For You here on Faith FM. As we continue on with the show, we're going to have another clue for our quiz. Lawson, right. what do you got for us? Here we go. What creature am I? So you already know what it is, Lyle. I already know what it is. So no double prizes up for grabs today, but I- I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that there's someone out there who'll know what this is. Because this, this creature... I'll give you a hint. This is a creature that I do not despise. I was basically about to say the same thing. I'm like, there's not many people who dislike this creature. But here we go. According to Solomon, one of these alive is better off than a dead lion. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just just processing that statement. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty long. I'm going to have to actually look that up and find some context on that one. One of these alive is better off than a dead lion. It's kind of like this. I've got to see some context. I've got to see some context. What is Solomon getting at here? It's kind of like that, you know, it's like when you make that joke that you see lots and lots of a particular thing and then you're like, someone's like, oh, how many, you know, oh, how many carrots do you think's in that, you know, bag? It's like, I don't know, at least three. (laughs) <laughs> like, like you're not wrong. Eating the obvious. <laughs> like you're not wrong, but it's not incredibly profound. You know? no. But anyway, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe what it is is that Solomon was actually using some humour, and we've just all missed it. <laughs> yeah, he's just making a joke. He's like, <laughs> like uh, <"Duh>, okay. dear. <laughs> anyway, what should we talk about in uh, more serious news this morning? Cardinal Pell um, is uh, back in the courts. Um, seeking permission for an appeal to the High Court. His law, law team are seeking leave to uh, take his case to the High Court. Um, decision will be made at 9.30 this morning. So in a very short space of time, we'll have a ruling wow. on that particular decision. Of course, Cardinal Pell was given uh, six years for raping a 13-year-old uh, choir boy, um, an event that took back place back in 1996. Wow. And in August of this year, he lost um, his appeal in the Victorian Court of Appeal with the two to one um, judge ruling against him. And I think that was probably uh, an important aspect because, you know, the jury, there is a case for having um, judge only um, decisions when, you know, the entire environment was so poisoned against Pell. How do you find a. Uh, an unbiased jury. Mm. Um, and so when it's actually handed down by judges, I think that um, there is, you know, in, in some of these circumstances where it's such a public um, uh, trial where the public has such strong opinions, I think that you're probably, you know, you're probably better off with um, judge only. And that was judge only, of course, with the appeal. And, of course, he's trying to take it to the High Court now, so we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. Let's watch this space and and uh, follow this one through. Okay. How would you like to save thousands of dollars? Thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, yes. You can't. Oh, <laughs> wow. I, like, I went into that with low expectations anyway. Like, I wasn't super excited. But then you just crushed that as well. Because, <laughs> you know, make thousands and thousands of dollars. <laughs> okay, so the uh, Australian government has uh, just um, released the new Daybreak um, smartphone government 
app to reduce alcohol consumption oh, okay, to increase okay. work productivity and seeing as you consume zero alcohol this is not going to help you in any way shape or form and I work so hard you I'm know? sure it's going to um, I'm sure it's going to be a benefit to many of our listeners yeah and they are estimating um, after three months of uh, trials with 20,000 participants they're ex- estimating that you can save up to $7,000 a year in um, in alcohol expenses that, you know, usually just all that money that goes, goes down the toilet mm. and about $4,500 in health costs and wow. in increased productivity by reducing your alcohol um, <laughs> intake. There you go. That's awesome. It's a lot of money. Yeah. That is a lot of money that Australia is pouring down the toilet. Yeah, of course, like, in a in a complex and researched way, it's confirming what we already know. Of course it is. <laughs> like, it's stating the obvious. But, you know, when you kind of put a dollar figure on it like that, it's like a friend of mine who um, had smoked for, you know, pretty much his whole life and decided to give up smoking and wanted to... Um, you know, and so what he did was he took all of the, he took all of the money that he spent on cigarettes when he gave up and just put it in a jar. So you know, he bought X amount of packs per week, and he put that into a jar every week when he got his pay. That was his cigarette money. And at the end of the year, he bought himself a brand new Harley Davidson motor- motorbike. Oh, there you go. Like- you know, so how much money had he sent up in smoke throughout his lifetime? Yeah. Huge amounts. Huge amounts. Just enormous amounts of money just going up in smoke, or in this case, just being poured down the toilet. Mm. Um, okay, so alcoholics, um, these are people that have between uh, um, 20.1 and 40.8 drinks per week. Um, sorry, who drink around, a, who average, sorry, alcoholics who average 40.8 drinks per week. Um, with this app, reduced that number to 20.1. So that's... They've basically halved it, or they've Mm. more than halved the amount of alcohol that they're taking. Um, That works out to, you know, 5.7 drinks per day, and you're an alcoholic. Mm. And there are people out there, you know, obviously, um, you're full-blown alcoholics who are drinking a lot more than that. Uh, People who are probably dependent, um, so they're they're the ones who are in the... um, 22.9 22.9 to 11, uh, 22.9 um, average bracket drinks per week. Dropped theirs to 11.9. Uh, once again, about reducing their, con- their, their, their consumption by half. And what that does is it changes them from being high-risk drinkers to medium-risk risk drinkers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you can see, potentially you've got about $11,500 that you can save per year. That'll buy you, yeah, buy a pretty decent car for eleven and a half grand. Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, do that for a couple of years, you know, a few years and you'll have a deposit on a house, particularly if there are, you know, you and yourself and somebody else, um, you know, you and your partner, um, are both drinking, then it's not going to take too long and you're going to save, you know, if, if, if you and your partner are drinking the same amount each, um, each year, then, you know, $23,000 in a year savings. Mm-hmm. That's really, really, really significant. And, of course, these are not just savings to the individual, but they're also savings to the economy yeah. uh, that they're looking at right here. So, yeah, cut out the alcohol. Pam, Lots and lots of money to be saved right there. Um, and, of course, you know, you take into, into consideration the uh, health benefits, the yeah. social benefits are off the wall. All right, in the United States, let's move on to hate crimes in the United States. Ooh. There have been in the last year 
7,120 hate crimes in the United States. That's quite a bit. Um, out of those 7,120, 1,550 of them were religious hate crimes. Guess which group copped the most? Which which religion copped the most hate crimes? Which? I'm asking you to guess. Oh, um, which religion copped the most hate? Um, I don't know, Christianity? No. Incorrect? Is Islam? Not, not at all. It's not... not not Islam. Is Buddhism? Not. It's not Buddhism. Okay. Wh- what is it? This one stunned me. It was Judaism. Fifty-eight <sighs> percent of religious hate crimes were anti-Jewish. Fourteen percent were anti-Muslim, and four percent were anti-Sikh. I'm pretty sure the anti-Sikh ones were just you know anti-Muslim ones. <laughs> Because people just mistake them yeah, for being yeah, Muslims because they like to wear a turban. Yeah. Um, their turban's a different kind of turban. It's a different shape. You can t- always tell a Sikh. Um, mm. Yeah. That's, so that, that I found really surprising. That is really surprising. Like, really surprising, especially in our day and age. Like, anti-Semitism isn't something There were 24 common. murders wow. as a result of hate oh. crimes. 11 of those were Jewish. <laughs> It's like who hates Jewish people? So, so what's the? It, how do they constitute this as a hate crime? Like, the, is it is it because like it's a crime that is based on uh, is committed because of the person's okay. race, gender, sexual orientation, or religion? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a crime that is uh, perpetrated on the person because um, you hate your next door neighbor, or somebody tried to steal my car, or something yep. like that. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So fifty uh, percent of all hate crimes were race related. Uh, sorry, it, out of that, out of the race related ones, fifty percent of them were African American, um, and sixteen point nine percent were based on, around sexual orientation. Something to think about. We need more love in our world. We need more Jesus Precious in our world. Lord. Take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on, lead me on, when my way groweth drear, precious Lord, linger near, when my life is almost gone. Precious Lord, lead me on. Lead me on. 
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Uh, This morning, we have a very special interview coming from uh, somebody who was actually um, involved with the bushfires up in the Tari area. And we wanted to start getting some interviews where we could, uh, if possible, from people who have, you know, survived these fires as, as they have come through. And uh, and so this morning we have Robert Panacook joining us. Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lyle. It's great to be back. Yeah. So last time we spoke, we were talking about um, the role of you know um, Bible classes in public education, and you were sharing some just incredible, amazing testimonies of the power that that has to really change lives in a positive way. Uh, but you were recently involved in the fires there in the Tari area. Whereabouts exactly and which fire affected you? We live in an estate, uh, Kaiwaraka State, which is in the Rainbow Flat area. And the fire that affected us is the Hillville fire, which started out near Tononi. And then it spread east and came across the Pacific Highway. And we're very close to the Pacific Highway. And so it spread through before it went off to Old Bar, where it's causing trouble now. And we actually have another couple of fires that have started up uh, the last day or so uh, near us in the middle of the fire-affected area. So in is this in areas that the fire had previously missed? You've got these new fires. That's right, yep. Hmm. Now, Robert, I'm just wondering whether you can take us through the story a little bit. You know, as that fire approached, what was it actually like to be there? Were you at home, were you at, home at the time and what were you seeing? Well, actually, we had decided to uh, evacuate in the case that it was going to be a bit uh, dangerous. Uh, my family and I were in the Black Saturday fires down in Victoria 10 years ago, and because of the uh, the suddenness of the whole situation and the impossibility of facing such a, a vivacious monster, we, 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 we had decided this time it's better just to um, get my ladies out of this area. Uh, and so... As as we watched the smoke developing, we saw the sun covered and then we watched it getting closer. Uh, it was when we got the text message, the warning message from RFS that simply said, you need to make your decision now. If you're going to go get out, then uh, we actually went to Taree uh, where, where we waited uh, for the fire to pass over. What did you, in preparation for that, what kind of preparations did you make um, preparing for evacuation? Basically, I was convinced that it was going to miss us. My daughter made incredible preparations. She's 14 years old and she had her bag packed, she had all her clothes, she had her violin certificate from grade three and she had uh, all of the things that, that were important to her packed and ready to go and put in the car. I had nothing. Uh, prepared, uh, but it it turned on us so quickly and came as such a surprise uh, that my wife had some some things ready and my daughter did. But in terms of the the property and the area, I didn't even have time to to clean around the house. We I, I was so sure there was going to be trouble because uh, we had things that were flammable outside on the veranda and. Uh, so much of the yard that I still needed to clean up that I wasn't able to. So there's, I guess there's a um, there's an important lesson there for people that uh, you know right now when when we're facing catastrophic conditions today you, you know today yesterday whatever and 
and um, that even if there's not a fire reported in your area, this summer we're going to need to live in a state of readiness. That's right, and and after that one passed, because we've got others that can actually backtrack through the tops of the trees now, because all the leaves have been dried, now we have actually prepared our yard properly, and uh, we're all having our, our clothes packed and more ready this time. Mm, mm, mm. Okay, so you've moved off, you've evacuated uh, off to uh, to Taree. Did you have uh, family, friends or anyone up there that you could stay with? What was the situation there? Our local church opened up. Uh, some of the other places available were all full. There were so many people displaced, but we stayed at our uh, local church for the day and then at the night... Uh, a couple of people from church uh, had a stay at their house, which was good because we have a dog, and they're dog lovers, so they pampered our dog and, uh, and looked after us. Mm, wonderful. How many people were at the church? I understand that there were 19 uh, people that night, and the numbers fluctuated that the next night there might have been even more. We had some come from Tanoni because Tanoni had to evacuate. There were just evacuations everywhere. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and praise God that um, you know it's great to be part of a local church and local church community where you've got you know that kind of backup. Now, Robert, as the uh, as the fire approached your area, um, you evacuated. What about your neighbours? Did they choose to stay or evacuate? Our friends across the street evacuated. Uh, next to us was a vacant block full of blady grass up to a metre high, uh, which was tender dry. And then on the other side, my neighbour stayed, and then his neighbour stayed. And there was an elderly lady across the road from my direct neighbour. Uh, she also stayed, and they they were pretty confident that they were going to deal with the fire comfortably. Sure. And what did actually happen? What did eventuate in that in that estate right there? Well, as, as, the, fire, as the fire was passing by, uh, they thought they had missed the worst of it. And they sat down in their front yards, yards to have a beer. So they're all sitting down in a little semicircle with their chairs watching everything going on. And uh, all of a sudden, the wind took a 90-degree turn. And with that turn, they saw flames shooting up into the sky up toward the top of the hill. Everything started to go out of control. And next thing smoke and fireballs just large embers started to fly past them onto their houses and onto our house and they they were just landing everywhere and they saw what they thought were houses going up flames were coming up all around our house and the neighbor had told me he said oh look you know don't worry mate i'll keep an eye on your house we'll be right we'll look after it all just keep your lady safe and then he called my mother or my mother called him right when he was in the middle of fighting everything and he just said look i'm so sorry i can't do a thing for your house we're just trying to stop the fires that are starting around our own houses we just can't help anymore and and he said from what the fiery here is telling me you uh your house is on fire at the back so we can't help so this is the back veranda where you had you know some flammable stuff that was on the veranda that kind of thing I know the van is at the front. Uh, okay. The, the back just had grass. But this is something that the fiery had told him. What I found out later is that the fire was actually in between our cabin, which was just behind the house, and the main big garage. 
I had left uh, about 100 metres of cladding stacked up in there and that had become an inferno. Right, right. Now, was this a spot fire that had um, gone on ahead of the main fire or was this the actual main fire coming through? This was the main fire coming through and we still don't know yet uh, which how it played out because the the neighbour's property that had all the blady grass, some neighbours sort of feel like it was that blady grass fire that caused so much devastation uh, along the local properties here, but I don't have any evidence of that. Mm, uh, sure. Whether it came through his property and fed into ours or not, I just had 300 cubic metres of complete tree mulch sitting just below the cabin, and that is now a one-inch ash spot. Mm, mm, mm. So this is this is right up against your home. Now, Robert, um, when you had that report that came through that your house was on fire, um, what were your expectations? You know, your neighbour well, says it's on fire. We, we're busy fighting our own fires to keep our own houses safe. Did you have any, any hope that your house would survive? Yeah, he had mentioned that there were up to 49 fire trucks in Rainbow Flat and that there were a number of trucks. I think there were three stationed between our house and the neighbour across the street. And so apart from that, I still had spent a lot of time in prayer. I, I knew that God had a purpose. And if he was going to save the house, that nothing could burn it. But if it was going to go, then it was going to be part of his providence. So I had come to that resigned state said, well, if, if all I have in life is these clothes on my back, this is going to be a great opportunity to allow God to guide us to the next step in our service for him. And at some point you, you actually came to believe that the house was gone. Sometime after the, the main aspect of the fire, the neighbour had not come up to see the house yet, but he told my mother on the phone, he said, look, I'm so sorry, but I don't think there's going to be much of anything left. And that, that was based on what he had seen. And how did you feel when you had that message? I guess the, the biggest thing that got me is the memories of Black Saturday. It's uh, remembering the people that had died. I just, I couldn't be terribly concerned about losing a house because at that point we were told that we had lost a couple of neighborhood people from up the road. And when lives are lost, I just, it, it, it's a secondary issue, you know. Losing a house, it's just not that important. And I know it is important, and for people who lose a house, it is devastating. Uh, we, we did lose a house up in Darwin when I was younger, and we lost so many uh, acquaintances and, and everything down in, in Black Saturday. Uh, and, and I don't want to discount people losing a house. It, it's terrible. Yeah, but I, my, my heart was bleeding for... Uh, our, our friends who had lost their own family members, and and was there actual lives lost there in, uh, in in Rainbow Flat? As I understand, it sounds like only one person had had passed away as the fire was approaching uh, due to a heart attack. Mm. And yeah, I mean it's it's still a. Uh a casualty of the fire either which way really and um, incredibly Definitely. tragic. It's interesting to hear your testimony, Robert, in, in sharing with it, that with us as to how um, possessions, you know, they don't pile into insignificance, but they become more insignificant 
when in in, in comparison to into to, to lives and lives being lost I think that's a great lesson right there, particularly when it comes to, you know, opportunities to evacuate and to get out. You know, if you've got your health and strength and you've got each other, then um, you've, you've, you can continue on from there. Um, now, Robert, you, you heard you got the message that your house was gone. Um, what was your response? How did, how did you feel towards God? I mean, you've been praying all day that your house will be spared. Um, your family is safe, so you don't need to worry about them. But how did you feel towards God when you when you found that you know when you heard that the house was gone? The text that immediately came to mind was the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And you know when we say God takes away, I see God as our sovereign God who oversees everything. And it's not that He Himself would take the house away, but He may allow Satan to do terrible things. And that may include losing a house. And yet there is a a purpose behind it. And so that text was a comfort to me, just as Job was able to accept unbelievable devastation, uh, the loss of his family and all of his possessions, his house, his business, everything was gone. And even his friends seemed to be against him. And yet he could say, even if God would allow me to die, I will still trust him. Yeah, that's a great testimony, Robert. And, um, you know, very powerful to, you know, to hear a Christian's faith staying strong in the midst of, you know, an environment like that. As it turned out, you didn't lose your house. Um, you, how much risk did your house, how much, how close did the fire actually come? It's so funny. Our neighbor walked around the house the next day and he calls my mum and he says, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this, he says. And he's just repeating it because, you know, the fire is like, for our house, uh, the closest place I can see is probably six meters where piles of timber were burning and then our neighbor's property is maybe 10 meters away and uh, it just came in and demolished a shed there was another shed that was flat on the ground uh, and, and that had fire under it and that may be eight metres away. Yet all around, uh, the grass all around the house was untouched. And it's, it's only the actual cabin itself that the fire was right up against. And the fire went into an air vent in the cabin when the, there's a small shed there that was gutted in between the, or next to the big shed in the cabin. And uh, yeah, it was the the fire actually went in through the air vent and blackened the ceiling of the cabin and and just stopped. So this is a cabin that used for what uh, visitor accommodation, that kind of thing. Uh, this cabin actually has the Eastwood Christian Bookstore in it. It has forty thousand oh dollars worth of Bibles and uh, books like um, a book on health ministry of healing, the Great Controversy, historical prophecy. Uh, children's books, felts. It, it has a whole lot of beautiful resources that can help people in their Christian walk and in their search to know God. Uh, and that bookstore is actually uninsured. And the fire went inside and yet didn't burn it down. Exactly, yes. Okay, do you see the sparing of your house and of the cabin as being a miracle? Oh, no question. Well, when I see that that inferno between those buildings would have been above the roofs and... I know what fire does when it gets that close, when it's that hot. 
the shed was burned, the, the grass around the shed was burned right up to the floor, to, to the uh, ground, right up to the edge of the shed, and fire did not get in the shed. And, and you know, when fire's burning that hot and that close, it, it gets into sheds. Uh, mm, oh, absolutely. Yeah, this one didn't, yeah. I, now, Robert, many people would ask the question, why... Okay, so God spared your house. He spared your um, your property. Why would God spare yours and not you know somebody else's? So you know, praise God for um, what He's done for you. But you know, what about 150 other homes that were lost? Was God not there in those situations? Yeah, it, it's such an important question, and this is where uh, you think to these experiences, like when we were back in Black Saturday ten years ago, and then this fire here. So many people are repeating over and over again. It's like the fire had its own mind. You can see a house that's perfectly green all around. It's all protected and nothing happened to it. And then right next to it, you'll see a a, a totally destroyed property. And then you'll see a house that's gone. And then a little wooden picket fence that should have been absolutely destroyed just five meters from the house, totally untouched. And and all these scenarios people are looking at, and some lovely people lose their homes, some lovely people lose their lives. And I've, I think back to the biblical principles uh, that, that govern how things happen on this earth. And there are so many questions I can't answer right up front. I don't know why some things happen. And I'm not going to know until Jesus comes, but he's promised to answer all my questions when I see him. And, and this is where it's so important to understand God's character and his love. Because it, it's like sometimes children don't understand why their parents do things, but if they've learned to love them and trust them enough, they can still go through the unexplainable times knowing, ah, my mum and dad, they've got my back. I don't understand why, but I'll I'll, I'll work with them here, and then they'll help me understand later. And it's it's about getting to know God enough to where we can trust Him in these unexplainable situations. If if I can't trust Him, it's just that I don't know Him well enough. Uh, once I get to know Him, then I, I I can work that through. And so with these fires, it's it's like the book. I think it's in Ecclesiastes. It says that God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And um, good and bad chance happens to all people whatever types of people they are. But the other thing, too, that's so important to remember is that God knows what is best uh, for every human being, for every family. Sometimes catastrophes uh, have led people to a much better life. It's, it's brought a dividing, a decisive dividing moment in life where it separates them from the past that they've had and gives them an opportunity for a new start. Uh, sometimes... People may have made their final decision and God knows that it's okay for them to be laid to rest. It may be better that they are laid to rest because of things that may happen in the future that could have absolutely discouraged uh, them beyond explanation and could have caused situations that would have left them so sad and, and unnecessarily pained. But if they're eternally saved, then being laid to rest is maybe a merciful thing that they don't have to deal with the future pains. Mm. So a lot of these thoughts go through my mind and 
I realize that we've got a sovereign God who, if he spares the property, the house, the people, there is a, a perfect reason. And it's and if he doesn't, there is a perfect reason that one day he will show me. But ultimately, it is for the good and the salvation of as many people as possible every time, because that's my God. Mm. Robert, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. You're absolutely welcome. Thanks for having me, Lyle. That was Robert Panacook uh, from Rainbow Flat in on the North New South Wales coast. You're listening to Faith FM. Once was a man with all the possessions that this world could hold. The father's riches seemed to overflow, but all he wanted was you. A blameless man who feared God turned away from evil. The greatest man his land had ever known, but all he wanted was you. The tempter came to try to set the Lord against his soul. To strip away all that he'd ever owned But all he wanted was you Yeah, just you Just you to question their ways it seems they've led him wrong but then he starts to complain that's when we hear the sound a voice that comes from the wind is here to question you and since you tried to contend i hope you hear the truth that all the wind stars and skies the raging seas the waters rise you can't deny i'm the one that all this has come through I'll always be and I've always been Wherever you've gone, I've been with you then Humble your heart, fall on your knees Trust in my ways when still you can't see 
when I can't see I trust you Falls into the ground, covers his hand to his mouth, so words won't utter out. My God, your wonderful ways no man can understand. So now I'll give you my days, cause all I need is you. Hey, I'm Julia from Warrigal Seventh day Adventist Youth. We meet every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for an open discussion about Bible topics concerning our youth today. We're open to everyone wanting to join us, and we'd love to see you there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. See 